Betches Media presents. Will you suck? I'm in. To fix this water problem. Sorry to this man. You can have a hundred people in the room. And I, oh, goodbye, Kyle. At Betches. Rise and shine. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the At Betches podcast. I'm Dylan Hafer, assistant editor at Betches, and the uh, face and voice behind Bravo by Betches and the Mention It All podcast. I am Chris Burns, aka Fat Carrie Bradshaw, and I do video stuff and I host the Bachelor podcast. My name is Amanda Duberman. I am the editorial director of Betches Sup. I run the Instagram and I host the Betches Sup podcast. Betches up having such a moment with the conventions and obviously the election just 70 days away. 70 days. I mean, Amanda, I don't know how Amanda <laughs> survives, honestly. I don't know either. But you know what helps is when Dylan has fire viral tweets. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, I I, uh, your tweets stolen, though, um, Kim and uh, Chris Humphreys. Chris Humphreys tweet on like so many accounts where they just took your joke like they just cut your name off there's nothing better than seeing your tweet just cropped yeah it's cropped or it's like just rewritten so it doesn't written in like an ugly font yeah yeah but the tweet was um it was a picture it was like the election is this many days away and then it was a picture of uh, chris and kim who were married for 72 days and there were so many like like every cool person in like politics and media retweeted it like this is so good or i'm screaming (laughs) um (laughs) Our, our favorite anyway. congressman, Eric Swalwell, finally followed me on Twitter. I was excited. Oh, excellent. That's when you know you've made it. You're officially um, part of a, the sub I, I I have a little crush on Eric Swalwell, only because I um, have to do all the videos on YouTube. And I'm always like, oh, my God. He's like, <laughs> he's yeah. talking to me. He's kind of got, like, a vibe. I like it. <laughs> he does. He's definitely, like, of the 435 members of Congress, there aren't a lot that are like under 70. So he's already, um, he's already you know, got that. Take what you can get. Yeah, Guys, what else we have, are we talking about? We have lots to talk about today. We have NYU with some troubling quarantine meals uh, given to their students that are all over TikTok. We have Think Pieces claiming that NYC is dead. We're gonna share our thoughts about that line of thinking. Um, it is currently the Republican convention happening right now. And uh, I would say the star of the first night was Kimberly Guilfoyle. So we're going to talk a little bit about her and Kellyanne Conway stepping away from the White House. And then we're going to talk about Rose McGowan and Alyssa Milano's Twitter feud about white feminism and whether the charm set was toxic. Um, lots to talk about. Chris, before we get into today's show, we want to tell you what's happening at Betches. Let us know. Okay, I will let you know. So what's happening at Betches, guys? The Bachelor Breakdown newsletter is the best way to get all the parts of the show recapped right into your inbox each week. What's going on with Bachelor? None of us really know. It literally changes day to day. So make sure that you are subscribed to know literally who the Bachelorette is because even that has changed day to day whilst filming. So you'll get the most dramatic and cringeworthy moments of the episode insider updates on members of bachelor nation in your inbox so make sure you are subscribed to the bachelor breakdown at betches.co slash bachelor breakdown so much to talk about first let's talk about nyu so nyu is going back in person this fall as many schools are currently trying to do 
And because New York has some strict quarantine rules for, I believe, 35 states and territories currently, all of the students that live on campus from those states are quarantining for 14 days right now before classes start. And NYU said they were going to provide three meals a day delivered to their rooms at no additional charge. I don't want to say at no charge because a year at NYU costs $78,000. And the meals are not going great, I would say. We started to see lots of TikToks over the weekend of kids receiving um, moldy food, random assortments of food that don't constitute a meal, lots of vegans and vegetarians getting meat and dairy and guys it is such a clusterfuck i love personally how many of them were receiving oranges i just think it's like a funny thing that there was one girl uh that got like a handful of oranges (laughs) and um a little packet of butter and i was like (laughs) well and then other people were getting just whole lemons and it's a like, witch. at least at least you can eat an orange. You, nobody's just biting into a lemon. No. I'm, Are these I'm, kids paying for the meal plan and this is what they're getting? Or is this just like an ad? This is like, I guess we'll give you some food even if you're not paying for the meal plan. Uh, they're all living on campus. So I'm assuming they have to pay for a meal plan. Right. That's how it was when I was in school. I don't know. Yeah, I went to SUNY Oneonta. So like <laughs> that was our meals all the time. No, I'm just, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But... Uh, I think it did say, yeah, they're, they're, I mean, it's $78,000. If the meal right. plan is not included in $78,000, then you need to evaluate your decision of going to NYU to begin with. Right. Um, I don't this know. So I guess funny. like people like the college experience. So that's why they're all going. But I feel like going to NYU, you're not getting the traditional college experience anyway. I'm not really sure how, what the point of even quarantining is. Cause it's not like they're going to go from their room to class in the same building. Am I wrong? Like NYU is like spread out all over the city. It's true. Yeah. I mean, the quarantine is like a legal thing because in New York, like once you travel from out of state, you're supposed to do your quarantine period. Like our friend Kay just completed her 14 day Mm. quarantine. But I mean, it just seems apparently clear at this point that it's not a good idea for schools to happen in person right now. I saw University of Alabama announced that within their first week back, they had over 500 positive COVID tests. And it's like, it just, there are, some whole, there are whole sorority houses that are quarantined right now because they've had COVID outbreaks. Well, it's like, also, it's college ooh. students. Like, think about the dumb shit that you did in college. Mm-hmm. Even if I was in college and they were like, we have to quarantine, I would be like, okay, then I would have two... Uh, hard seltzers and be like let's party you know like as a college student it takes i think a special kind of college student that's not like a theater student at nyu to be like um really smart about Mm -hmm. quarantine yeah it's hard because i think obviously it's like yeah kids want to party and whatnot but even if the kids are following all the rules i think the schools are kind of lying to themselves and lying to everyone else and saying like, oh, well, our plan was perfect. It's just the kids that messed it up. It's like, no, these plans are shitty. Like, right. <laughs> college is like, think about what college is. Like you have to get special shots to go to college. Like college is gross. Yeah. You step, you share showers. Like it's all foul. It already was. So, so like, if you have to get a special shot for a like scary disease you get from kissing on college, then 
I don't think it's time to go back during a pandemic. Yeah, probably not. We but, um, also, oh, go ahead. Well, I, I think you wrote, you wrote in your piece, Dylan, which I think is an important part, which is that it sounds like these students can get meals delivered. However, in Manhattan, to get your uh, one meal delivered, I mean, I've rarely been able to do that just for one person south of $30. So that's not a realistic yeah. option for a majority of students. I mean, it, it's probably more realistic, I would guess, for people that attend NYU because it is so expensive and does pull like generally a more affluent crowd. But in other, in other areas, yeah, that's not possible. Right. I mean, it's not... If you're saying that you're going to provide the meals for the students, you need to provide the meals for the students. And so when people are posting on TikTok that they got skipped for breakfast and lunch, it's like, that's not... People, I saw some comments that were kind of calling out these kids for being privileged. And it's like, they're not saying they're not privileged in certain ways, but it's like, currently they are stuck in a dorm room with no food. (laughs) Right. It just points out like the absurdity of this whole scenario that we're trying, that like colleges are so desperate for money like what they will do to get tuition out of kids when like the reality on the ground is that it's completely inappropriate for us to be living in group settings is totally. just kind of amusing. And I think it's important these kids pointed it out. But also, yeah, NYU, I'm like, there is literally no way that they are desperate for money. They've been charging this much for tuition for how long? Like they're sitting on all the most beautiful brownstone. Like, I'm like, oh, what is that building that looks like uh, the Royal, yeah. you know, house and it's like oh that's the nyu library right like i downtown true in college (laughs) i lived in like an attic where i hit my head on the roof in uh like small town where i was also working (laughs) like give me a goddamn break oh my god 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competition for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios in Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant nearly 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and the brightest and how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after follow the competition on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus speaking (laughs) of uh new york city so there was an interesting article that claims that new york city is dead i think the face of the article this is my all-time favorite episode of sex in the city that is referenced in this article yes when kristen johnson guest stars as like the old like party girl that comes back to the city and is like bored because everyone's coupled up and whatever and um she gives a big speech about new york city being dead it's over (laughs) o-v-e-r Doesn't anybody have fun anymore? And then she falls out the window and plummets her. <laughs> and then Carrie and Miranda get in a fight because Carrie's moving to France. Um, very iconic episode. Iconic. I don't really understand the point of this article. I guess it was like suggesting that now New York City actually is dead. But do you guys feel like you're both in New York still? You've I'm in New York right now, but you guys have been here since. Uh, the get-go yeah I mean it's I think that like 
the article was saying that New York has been like on a path to be to losing its its charm and what makes it exciting and cool for a long time. And this is kind of like the final death knell. But it's like if you left New York and you don't want to come back, you're not a New Yorker anymore. Like, I, right. I don't know. I just think it's I have never been more grateful to live here or more moved by like the spirit and the just like fortitude of the people here than during this pandemic. So to me, it's like the opposite. I mean, I do have like serious concerns about, I mean, if if you've been to New York in the past five years, it's not hard to like walk down a city block downtown and everything's for rent because no one can afford the rents anymore. That was already a problem. And like, I think what this, what the conversation is, is that it will lose. New York is just going to be chains and Shake Shacks and Starbucks and only things that mm. only chains that can like afford these rents. Um, and I think it probably will take like maybe some action on the city in the future to try to like mm -hmm. protect the things that make it really cool. But yeah, this article is just, it's just hilarious that people leave and then, then suddenly they're the authority on whether it's a, whether New York's a good place to live. Yeah, I think, so the Vogue piece that was kind of like a rebuttal to the original article pointed out that just kind of the idea of leaving New York by choice is yeah. steeped in privilege and that, you know, I'm, I'm somebody, I believe all of us are people that moved to New York in our 20s because we, you know, wanted to for our career. And it's like that in and of itself is a position of privilege. Whereas like there are millions of people who were born and raised here yeah. and this is just where they live. And it's like, so for somebody who, you know, has spent the last four months at their Hamptons house and then comes back to the city and it's like, this sucks. It's like, right. you could have stayed yeah. out there. Right. It's like people were already saying New York was over when you were gentrifying their neighborhoods. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I think like I, so, I mean, I grew up in Albany um, and that's where I went for a while and I'm planning on going back up, I think for a while. Uh, for, I would never be like, New York is dead. But even before all of this, uh, the like, luster of New York has been fading for me personally, but I don't know that it has anything to do with New York. Well, I mean, I don't know how yeah, to explain to me, how no, I'm I, feeling. I I'm like, saying. I'm just yeah. like, I'm tired is for what me, I yeah. For me, the thing I don't like about New York is like, I don't, the luster isn't like what I like about it. I just like living among a lot of different types of people here. Like, I don't know. I have a very like, I refer to myself as a low enthusiasm individual. I need like a lot of external stimuli and things to look at and things to excite me to like feel meaning in my life. It's the problem. But by like living in what I think is the center of the universe, I'm constantly exposed to all of these like, just like there's humanity everywhere. You see cool shit every day all the time. And I care more about that than like some high rise. Yeah. And that's how, I mean, I live in Flatbush, Brooklyn. So like there's always things to see, like, I see a lot of good things going on. I'm just like, uh, yeah. I've been saying for years, like, if it wasn't for my job, job and what I wanted to do, I wouldn't, I don't think, be here. But I also recognize that that's, like, my privilege that I can do that and I can think about going someplace else, so. Right, and you can, like, denounce New York, or you can, like, leave New York and decide it's not for me without denouncing it as, like, a good place right. for other people to live. Without being, think, like, that shitty place, ugh, it's so over. Why like, I'm leaving yeah. New York, like you said, is such a trope. It's like, you can just go quietly. <laughs> yeah, like, if I see one more think piece on 
why I'm moving to LA instead of New York, but it's the same people that's have yeah. been saying for years, like, this is the best city in the whole world are the same right. ones that are like, it's dead and over. And it's because they can't like get brunch with 50 of their friends in Hell's Kitchen right. <laughs> while their parents pay for their rent. Right, sorry. No offense. This episode of App Betches is brought to you by FrameBridge. Around our office, we have so many colorful framed art prints and photos. It creates such a fun atmosphere and gives our space that unique Betches character. I've been a longtime user of FrameBridge because anytime I want to frame something, custom framing can be so difficult and expensive, and they don't always have the sizes you want online if you want to try to frame something yourself. So then your options are to bring something to an expensive framing store or leave it in your closet collecting dust. But FrameBridge makes it so easy and affordable to get your special artwork and memories in frames so you can spice up your space with ease. Basically, everything in my house has been framed by FrameBridge. We got our wedding photos done immediately by FrameBridge. We've hung a gallery wall. FrameBridge is truly my go-to. They make it so easy to select a frame to see how they would look online. And they send you packaging so that you can send in the thing you want framed so that it won't get ruined. We all know that getting custom frames can be difficult. But FrameBridge is easy and affordable to custom frame just about anything. You can easily order online at FrameBridge.com or visit a retail store if you need some guidance. You can either upload a digital photo for them to print or mail in an item using their free secure prepaid packaging that I mentioned. Then FrameBridge custom frames your piece in their studio using the highest quality materials and ships it to your door in days for free. See why FrameBridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit framebridge.com or visit a local FrameBridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything. That's framebridge.com. So should we move on to the next topic? Let's do so this week, last week was the Democratic National Convention, and this week is the Republican National Convention. These are four-day, basically Coachella-type events ahead of the election. Wow, I love Amanda referring to the RNC as Coachella. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was calling the DNC Demchella, but I didn't know what we would call. I guess Kimchella. <laughs> <laughs> um, last week's DNC was. Don't let her hear that, or else she'll like you'll start seeing T-shirts being sold on her website. <laughs> you are capable. <laughs> so the DNC was pretty. Like uh, it was good. I mean, if you look at stuff, you know uh, that we are pretty into some of our Democratic politicians, and I thought it was pretty just empirically uh, well done. Uh, if not a little bit boring. I mean, there were exciting parts because it's obviously historic that uh, Kamala Harris is the VP nominee. Um, the RNC started last night with um, a series of basically just people making speeches that were love letters to the president, thanking him for giving up his beautiful life as a businessman to come and rescue the American <laughs> people. Um, but the big, the big moment was uh, a speech by Kimberly Guilfoyle, who is dating uh don jr who is one of trump's sons my favorite part about this is that it's like they've actually been dating a really long time and it's just uh -huh. kind of funny that it's like it's his girlfriend like his girlfriend's talking it's like put a ring on it don <laughs> but she made a completely unhinged uh speech i don't know if she it was unhinged in content and in delivery uh we will play a clip right now president trump is the leader who will rebuild the promise of america and ensure that every citizen can realize their american dream ladies and gentlemen leaders and fighters for freedom and liberty and the american dream the best is yet to come 
Okay, what did we think, you guys? Okay, when so- I when I saw this last night, actually, the first thing I saw was just the photo of her arms outstretched, looking into the heavens, like she had just achieved world domination. And I immediately compared it to a photo of Jafar. Yeah. It's, oh my God. She, I said this on my Instagram story. She is so tacky, but in the, in the way that just makes my soul scream and cry and sing at the same time. Yes. I just, that's how I can't I look saw, away. She's at the, the, she was at the cusp of either being like a gay icon or a gay <laughs> nemesis. Like, she came out and I'm like, the hair was right. The lashes yeah. are right. She's wearing like a very, you know, she had skims on underneath that red dress. Right. She, she like amazing. definitely was wearing skims. Her heels were like six inches tall. She had her claws out. And I was like, this bitch is like serving. What if she like comes out and says something um, like not awful, but then right. she launched into her very like, dictator-esque speech. Chris, you instantly compared it to Dwight Schrute and then throughout the night, like instantly, you had a TikTok up and then all night people were sending, but it wasn't like, but Dwight Schrute was accidentally uh, making a speech from a dictator where she was just truly just, I think Elise called her in the the newsletter a fascist sea witch. Yeah, uh, yeah, Elise kept comparing her to Ursula. Like she kept doing the, um, Ursula from The Little Mermaid. Yeah. I just it's, also don't really understand quite what she's doing there. I guess she was, a, I mean, I guess that, like I, she is a pretty effective, I mean, she's like a Fox News personality, but I think our favorite thing about her is that I think she's always been a Republican. I don't know why she's always been in the public view. Maybe it is because uh, in the aughts, I believe, she was actually married to the current Democratic governor of California. Who cheated on her. Is that what happened? So he (laughs) cheated on her. She became a Republican. uh, Elise is like, uh, her prediction is that she, since she was cheated on, this is her revenge on Gavin Newsom. And California. She's just like really playing the long game because even when she talked about California, she's like, if you want to see what a shitty place can look like, (laughs) California. Yeah, she also has beef with um, apparently Kamala Harris. There's like an unconfirmed story that, I mean, it's been like reported on by the Washington Post and San Francisco Chronicle, but it's just not clear what went down. So when Kamala Harris started working for the DA's office where she worked, uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle had worked that office previously, but had been fired. So when a new DA came in and brought Kamala Harris in, um, I guess Kimberly Guilfoyle called and wanted a job in the DA's office again. And it's unclear what happened. Kimberly Guilfoyle says that Kamala Harris called her and was like, just don't try. Like, you're not welcome here. We don't have a job for you. Kamala Harris says that she I called, love that. Imagine I love that. Hearing, I don't mind that. I don't mind that at all. Imagine hearing that one of your coworkers is thinking about reapplying and you call them <laughs> and be like, don't waste your time. Right. Another? Well, honestly, that's what Kamala said she was doing. Sorry, Dylan. That she was like, no, I was just telling her that like, I don't, I think part of it, it seems like what probably happened is that Kamala called, Kamala was like, I don't, that's not what happened. But Kamala Harris hasn't like explained what she thinks happened. But Kimberly Guilfoyle has gone into a little bit more depth about it and said that Kamala Harris made it sound like there's there's not money for you to come here. Like you said, like, don't even try. Mm. So who knows? Well, also, so she was a Fox News personality until 2018 when she left. And this has never been like fully explained 
exposed, but rumor has it she left in the middle of kind of a proceedings about her being awful to hair and makeup staff at Fox News. And so there's Oh my god, she's like, the Ellen DeGeneres of Fox News. There are layers upon layers. She actually is kind of a medium-sized character in the movie Bombshell that came out last year oh. about Roger Ailes. Yeah. And is she wait, who is she supposed to be in that? No, no, no. She, she, somebody plays her in that. No, 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 I know. Not, I'm, I'm trying to like like who it's not a famous person. It's some, but somebody who looks a lot like her and famously has um, Team Roger shirts made and wears them. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so honestly, I probably will not watch much of the RNC because I value my mental health, but Kim Guilfoyle, kind of a terrible icon, I would say. Yeah, but it was such... I don't know. I've said this a lot on my other podcast, but, and Dylan, you actually, you guys, we all run accounts that are pretty, actually pretty meme heavy. I mean, all of the accounts on Betches are, but the biggest, what's been hard about the pandemic, among plenty of other things, is that where do, what do we get meme content from? Live events and public gatherings. There have not been live events and public gatherings mm-hmm. for almost six months now. So the, for me, this is just like an embarrassment of riches to be able to make memes yes. from recent content for the first time in five months. So honestly, thank you, Kimberly. Bless you. <laughs> I'm sure they will be more. Tonight is a Melania's speech. So oh, by that, oh I mean God. Michelle Obama's speech. I'm sure it will be best. Um... Yes, yes. For years, I've used men's razors because the quality of razors for women is seriously questionable. But using disposable men's razors felt like settling, and also they gave me razor burn. That's why I became a loyal customer of the Athena Club razor. And it was truly the easiest, smoothest shave ever. And also the easiest, smoothest decision to become a subscriber to Athena Club. I have officially moved on from my cheap razor era, and now my skin is getting the premium razor it deserves. Athena Club razors are gentle on your skin. They leave your skin smooth. I really have tried a lot of their products and I love all of them, but truly the razor is my favorite. And it looks nice in your shower, which really can't be underestimated. Step up your shaving game now with Athena Club's award-winning razor kit. It is seriously the best on the market and here is why. First of all, the Athena Club razor kit is an absolute steal at just $10, but don't let the price fool you. It packs a serious punch. It comes with a beautifully made ergonomic handle. Like I said, it looks great in the shower and two super sharp razor heads that deliver an incredibly smooth shave every time. Athena Club's razor glides effortlessly thanks to those five precision engineered blades. The blades are perfectly spaced out to let your hair pass through with each stroke and you'll experience less irritation, which is really the most important thing in my book. If you're ready to upgrade your shaving experience, switch to the best razor on the market and show your skin you care with Athena Club. Head over to athenaclub.com to try their award-winning razor and body products and get 20% off your purchase with code BETCHES at checkout. You can also also find Athena Club razors at your local Target store. Trust me, you won't look back. Happy shaving. Um, some other wild stuff going on with the Republican Party is that Kellyanne Conway, who was one of Trump's senior advisors, has announced that she's stepping away from the White House. She said that she wanted to uh, have less drama, more mama in her home, which comes after Good her, luck, honey. I know, her 15-year-old daughter, keyword 15 years old, uh, Claudia Conway, was a, I don't want to call her social media presence erratic, but over time she sort of escalated her, her urgency about like, she sort of posted that her parents are not nice to her. She's made claims that they're physically abusive. She's t- spoken out about their job. She describes herself as like a liberal. 
Um, she says that she's trying to get emancipated. And so she amid all of that. crying a lot. Yes. There's yes. definitely say, like some. I would say some of the earlier tweets and TikToks felt more like she was trolling her parents. Yeah. And then in the last month or so, the tone kind of shifted to like, oh, this is probably not a great situation. And she seems unhappy in this situation. Um, so Kellyanne is out of the White House. George Conway said he's stepping away from the Lincoln Project to deal with their family issues. It's just so interesting that after all these years, Kellyanne is just, she's gone now. I don't yeah. know. Well, she's just leaving does, at the end of the month. At the end of the day, like it does seem like if she didn't do this forever, she would be known as like picking Trump over her own daughter. That's true. The interesting thing about it to me, too, is that, like, like we said, Claudia Conway has been crying for help for a long time. And like her, so the, Kellyanne Conway is a Trump advisor. Her husband is also a Republican, but he's one of these never Trumper Republicans who works actively to get her boss out of office and is like constantly undermining her boss on Twitter. And so Kellyanne Conway got her start as a pollster. Like that's how she is known in the Republican Party. So I am sort of intrigued that there's only three months left in Trump's until the election. There's about six months left in his term if he doesn't get another one. And I just think it's interesting that she was like, I can just go now. Like, I wonder if she thinks that uh, when she looked, I mean, polls have let us down before, but I'm, I'm reading into everything these days. Yeah. And I think it's like a very, yeah, obviously like pivotal time for her as, because if she didn't leave, like Claudia would never forgive her. Yeah, like I Whereas don't know where now I'm sure next. there's a lot of damage done. Like, I would not want to be a fly on the wall in that family therapy office. But imagine just like if your parents fight, with like, you know, Publicly, yeah. everyone knows what it's like to have your parents fighting. Imagine it being about a man yeah. that's ruining everyone's life and all of your friends at school are like talking yeah. constantly about your mom. <laughs> who's being compared to like looking like a, you know, scarecrow and shit. Like it, it, your mom's <laughs> being on, is on SNL being made fun. Like, you yeah. know, it's gotta be a very interesting. A Chris, I take offense to that because my parents have just simply never fought with each other. Um, it, it just wasn't never. a thing that happened. Um, just kidding, my parents are divorced, I get it. Um, <laughs> Now we need to talk Fresh about hours. what's happening on actress Twitter, which is ma- perhaps my favorite corner of Twitter. Um, Pretty fast so- and loose with the word actress. <laughs> Act- Actrivist. <laughs> um, so last week at For the conclusion her. of the Democratic National Convention, um, Rose McGowan tweeted about basically criticizing them, the Democratic Party for not really doing anything and saying that they haven't solved poverty and they haven't solved racism and blah, 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 blah. And she got a lot of backlash to this opinion. You know, I think a lot of people basically are just of the mind that like right now, if your number one concern is getting Trump out of office, then just shit talking the idea of the Democratic Party isn't really productive at this point. And um, Patricia Arquette hopped in on that and Rose told her to fuck off. And then also, yeah. If if we're, I, I want to see that. I want to see Rose McGowan versus Patricia Arquette. <laughs> I feel like Patricia Arquette could win against like a live bear if they were put in a ring together. Patricia Arquette's like, let me call my brother, who is a professional wrestler, <laughs> and 
She's gonna like yeah, put the a whole Arquette, the like yeah. I feel that, like Patricia Arquette. If anyone's gonna play Kimberly Guilfoyle in the RNC reenactment, I think it oh should be God. her. She could totally command that performance. Oh the God. best. Her yeah. Oscar speeches have Kimberly Guilfoyle energy. Um, I, so I then, want that or a drag queen to play Kimberly Guilfoyle. <laughs> so Patricia Arquette was like the the small fish, and then Alyssa Milano uh, popped off and tweeted a thread that was more than two dozen tweets of things that the Democratic Party has accomplished over the past century. Um, she included things like women's suffrage, which Rose McGowan correctly pointed out only uh, got white women the right to vote. Um, the National Park Service, the Violence Against Women Act, This woman was sitting on Wikipedia, just like copy paste I, and it's, copy It's paste a lot tweet. of tweets. It's a lot of tweets. She said a lot of things, uh, you know, women being elected to office, uh, you know, just various, various things, some of which, you know, you could say are not without their own problems. But basically she said that, and then she specifically called out Rose and other people like her who are, you know, having this negativity and basically saying people are dying. Uh, so, you know, shut up and please vote. Yeah. And then Rose was not, uh, Rose didn't take super kindly to that. She, tw she tweeted another tweet. She quoted Marilyn Manson and said, I was not born with enough middle fingers. And then- This was also my problem with that because <laughs> Rose McGowan dated Marilyn Manson, no. That's right. But Marilyn she Manson has also yeah. been like, proven through and through to be like a very bad person right. like you can watch the evan rachel wood like talking about her relationship with marilyn manson and how he was like very physically and emotionally abusive and just that's why like yeah, rose mcgowan is going so off about this and then tweeting Mar about marilyn manson oh, and God. the video of evan rachel wood talking about that like resurfaced and was viral like last week like i was watching that literally last week about how he would like take her phone she wasn't allowed to see her family he would like tie her up and hit her and like she's sobbing Thanks. and then rose mcgowan who claims to be this like savior i don't know rose mcgowan has done so many things i feel like in the <laughs> right. past that i'm like just shush so has so, yeah i mean white women fighting over white feminism is like peak white feminism it's like both of these women have had pretty they're both trying and have really made uh, quite vigorous efforts to be part of the sort of feminist conversations. And they've both had misfires, which is normal. And I think something that happens if you try and are unlearning certain things, but it's just like, stay in your lane. It's just yeah, funny right. to see. It's like, this is a conversation. We can't litigate white feminism and yeah. how it is harmful. That is, we have to listen to what other, what other people have determined right so she accused Alyssa of stealing me too from toronto burke which is a whole thing toronto burke of course the original kind of founder of the me too movement way way back in 2006 i believe and Alyssa milano you know it gets a lot of credit for popularizing that in 2017 it's you know that's a whole dynamic they've worked together yeah fine rose mcgowan inserting herself in that and then she said that Alyssa made the Charmed set, Toxic AF, and that she was paid $250,000 a week and threw a fit saying she wasn't paid enough for this and accused her of riding on her coattails. And, oh, like the-, the when When the Charmed stuff came into the conversation, I'm like, oh, it's getting good. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's um, just so funny that it started as like reflecting on the Democratic National Convention and then ended up over like <laughs> Alyssa Milano creating a toxic environment on set in the aughts. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that is such a bizarre, even if that is true, and Alyssa Milano did do that on the set of Charmed, which probably she did. Yeah. Um, what does that have to do with what's being said right now? It's very, like, housewivesy to, like, bring up this really old thing, and I feel like there's been so many... Remember when, what's his name, um, Christian Bale, like, has had multiple, like, freakouts on set screaming and yeah. berating, like lighting guys and stuff and nobody's I, I don't know I think it's really bizarre to be like yeah well back on charm 20 it's years also ago not really, you um, yelled at yeah. a director it's not really a bitch. woman supporting woman thing which I think was the point of the conversation in the beginning yeah well it's, and it's funny because uh, so Rose kind of throws that out there and then Alyssa's only tweet back it was like commenting further does not align with my wellness plan I think is what she said and it's funny because it's like Alyssa was the one who responded to Rose's original tweet and really like got yeah. in there and tweeted that whole ass thread. And then the second the second Rose actually accused her of something, she was like, yeah. I'm tapping out. I'm not talking about this. Yeah. Yeah. But even with They're that, messy. like that's that's uh, he said she said thing, you know, like in a court of law, I'm gonna need some evidence or some receipts that Alyssa Milano actually was doing these things. So I need like a tell-all book about the set of Charmed, like the Shannon Doherty years. Shannon um, Doherty. Now that, that I would like that book because she's what was Holly Marie Combs every doing? Every show she's ever been Ooh. on. <laughs> Somebody was like, "Never would I have predicted there would be a scandal about the char set of Charmed being toxic, and it wasn't Shannon Doherty's fault." <laughs> and it was in 2020. <laughs> oh. I forgot Shannon Doherty was even on that show. It just like shows you how toxic Twitter can be. And like, I've had to remind myself more lately that like, it's not real life and I have to get off because like the, the example of just somebody, people being contrarian about Democrats, it's like, I am no longer interested in explaining to people why a vote for Biden is better than a vote for Trump. Yeah. We can have a different conversation after this about the future of the Democratic Party and its <laughs> past failures, but I'm not going to fucking try to convince Rose McGowan and her types that, that of what is the right choice this time. I agree. There's a lot think, of that on Twitter. I think like this is a conversation to be had in another four years when yeah. there's a discussion yeah. of like, you know the democratic nominee. Yeah, we can protest if Joe Biden and Kamala Harris get elected too. That's great. That's the time where we can actually, we can keep protesting and maybe like they'll listen. It doesn't all stop. But anyway, yeah. you can listen to more on that on our other Right, podcast. people are like, I don't I don't have to choose the lesser of two evils. And it's like, okay, yes, but which one's, le right. which one's less evil? This is what, <laughs> um, it's like, this is what people were saying four years ago too, yeah. butter emails and here we fucking are, so. Yeah. So don't attack Again. people on Twitter for harmless tweets. Again, go listen to this up if you want more probably nuanced opinions. Especially this, today's because... episode from two, two yeah. Tuesdays. Yeah, I was going to say, if you want more nuanced opinions, you're going to want to <laughs> go back in that feed because... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But Elise, Elise and Brian have very um, nuanced opinions and I have very Chris Burns ones. Guys, thank you so much for listening. This has been so fun. You can follow me on Instagram at Dylan Hafer. You can find me at Fat Carrie Bradshaw. 
I'm at rubadubdub89. And don't forget to rate, review, subscribe uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. And we will see you next week. Betches.